This is a CNA podcast. John, can you give us your quick thoughts on the following? Legacy planning. Making provisions for your loved ones with their best interests at heart. Wills versus LPAs. Both are important because it's like your wife and your daughter, they're both important. <laughs> Death. Death. I may not be around, but I want my family to live on well. Thanks for joining us on Money Talks. I'm Sarah Alcaldi. It's no secret that many of us are planners. We plan our education, our careers, when we want to settle down or buy a home, even when we want to have children. But one thing we find it hard to plan for is what happens when we die. According to a 2020 Gallup survey, 46% of Americans have a will. In Singapore, that number is apparently less than 20%. I'll admit this is something I haven't given much thought as well. Maybe it's the fact that I'm still young or that death is just a taboo subject to talk about. But financial experts tell us legacy planning is as important as all other plans we make in life. For no bigger reason than the fact that it ensures peace of mind for those left behind. In this episode, we want to get into the whys, the do's, and the don'ts of legacy planning. Does it cost money? Do only rich people need it? Is it only about assets? To help me unpack this, I'm joined by John Yo, Lead for Client Advisory at Money Owl. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Sarah. It's a bit hard to think about dying when you're young yes. and you expect to live long. Mm. In your experience, how common is it for people to feel this way? Most of us tend to feel that it's something that we can wait upon. It's something that is not urgent. But I also feel that increasingly in the last couple of years, it has become a topic that more and more people have begun to ask especially when people have reached a certain age, usually for the profile of people who are in the 40s and above and have seen more things happen around them to friends and family. Yeah, and there are a lot of misconceptions out there. Mm. Some people feel like you only need to plan for your death if you have kids or mm. if you have a lot of money or if you have many homes. Basically, if you're wealthy, is that the case? That is a very good age-old question, and i like to answer that question with an example. So let's take the example of someone who has $3 million today, and this person has not done any form of planning. No will or anything has been done. So what happens is that when this person passes on, the way of distribution will be then governed by the Intestate Succession Act. So with a spouse and his surviving parents, what happens is that 50% of his assets will then be given to his wife and then 50% of his assets will then be given to his surviving parents to be shared equally. Mm. So in that situation, then you have to ask the question, who is the person he is really trying to take care of? Let's assume it's his wife and his parents are actually quite financially sound. He might just want to leave a token for the parents. So the wife would be getting 1.5 million. But let's use the exact example for someone who now doesn't have that much of resources. Mm -hmm. So this one person has about 150,000 of assets. Okay. 
Now, same scenario, no will done, no planning done. So 50% of his 150,000 then would go to his wife, would be 75,000. So the question now is that how long do we think that 75,000 would last his wife? And also bear in mind that things like we talk about inflation and mm. Singapore is not necessarily a cheap place to live in. Mm. Actually, for the rich, it's more about optimization. Mm. But if we're not that well off, actually, all the more, we need to do planning. There's also another point I want to highlight. Sometimes in certain circumstances, people might be singles and not married. Yeah. For this profile of people, sometimes we feel that we're not married. So is there a need for me to plan? And I have, in my years of practice, come across people, including myself. When I was in my 30s, my wife now and girlfriend then, we were already planning for marriage. So when we plan, we save together, we invest together, we do things together. But the problem is that if I were to go, yeah. not even the intestate suction act will cover her oh. because she's not even my legal wife, you see. Right. So long as there is someone you intend to benefit in some specific ways mm -hmm. and you want to really take care of them to avert catastrophe, all the more we need to do planning. Yeah, so as long as there is someone you want to take care of. Yes, I would definitely think so. Yes. So you mentioned earlier about if you don't plan for a will, if you don't create a will, mm -hmm. the law states that half of your assets will go to your spouse and the other half to your parents. Yes. That's a default, right? That's a default, yes. So can you give us some examples of complications that can arise when people don't leave a will? I think a good example to highlight would be situations pertaining to common disasters. Mm -hmm. I would like to highlight a situation that some people might be concerned about, especially if they are married but without children. Okay. Yeah. Assuming no will, no planning has been done, in the event there is an airline disaster and we are to both demise in the same accident mm -hmm. because there's no children. So half of my assets will go to my parents to be shared equally, mm -hmm. half to my spouse. If 50% of my money or my assets go to my wife, mm -hmm. but my wife is no longer around mm -hmm. and then it depends on whether she has done any form of planning. Mm -hmm. So the important point in this example would be that then who is next in line? So potentially, the money or my assets can go to someone who I did not intend to benefit. In her situation, potentially it can go to her parents, that means my in-laws. If my in-laws are not around, then potentially it can go further down the line to like a brother-in-law or sister-in-law who I may not intend to benefit. But when I share this example, I have no issues with my wife's family. Yeah. <laughs> I'm using an example to highlight that you have to put yourself in that situation. Because when we think about how money flows, sometimes we just think very straight in, like, I'll oh, go to my wife, go to my parents. But then there will be situations that put us in circumstances like common disasters, and that is not exhaustive. When you do planning, you can actually preempt such circumstances. Mm -hmm. So that is what I mean by having someone to bring you through that thought process mm -hmm. and help you to understand what are your intentions. Mm -hmm. So planning... A will, even if you don't have children, can ensure that your assets and your money will go to the people you want it to go to mm -hmm. and not to maybe other people down the line that you may not have thought about mm -hmm. when you were trying to save and invest and raise all these funds, right? 
Yes, because if my wife is not around and I don't have a young child, yeah. perhaps the people I really may want to benefit could be my own parents. Yeah, We have to be clear about our objectives. Mm-hmm. We have to understand how money flows and how money flows in these circumstances sometimes can be very complicated. Aside from that, are there any other complications that you can think of that people need to keep in mind? Hmm. Other complications or things that people should be mindful of would be something as simple as understanding that our CPF monies cannot be distributed via our will. Oh, So we will have to do a CPF nomination to determine who the nominees are and the percentages that they will receive. Other things to take note of will be that even we have done a will, mm-hmm. our executor will need to know where our assets are allocated. Mm. When people do investments overseas, one important thing to note is that sometimes these are big ticket items like properties. Mm-hmm. People, when they invest overseas, typically the concern is about capital growth. Yeah. So debt planning is not the thing that we'll think about. Right. While those are important, the aspect to note is also what if we pass on. Mm-hmm. Because in certain jurisdictions, we have to bear in mind that there are issues pertaining to estate tax, mm-hmm. inheritance tax, which we do not have in Singapore currently. And those things can apply beyond a certain threshold, mm-hmm. even for non-residents then. Another point I would like to probably highlight would be that people feel that sometimes maybe I just need a very simple will. Back then when I wasn't married, for me then, a simple will actually is kind of like the natural solution. Mm. Bearing in mind that I know that my then-girlfriend, now wife, is capable of managing our monies and financial resources. So I have full faith in her. Mm-hmm. And I want her to have all the control over how to use the money. So for me, it's just simply about gifting to her. Mm-hmm. But in circumstances when they are young children, yeah, like now I have a three-month-old daughter, <gasps> So the perspective really changes, you know. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Congratulations, two one. Thank you very much. Just on a personal note, when my daughter came, uh, the topic of estate planning, uh, legacy planning takes on a whole new, different meaning for me. That's true. Now, when you have a young child in the equation, then you have to ask the question, what good does it do to give millions of dollars to a three-month-old baby? That's true. So it's not about how much money you're giving to a young child. So then the question of guardian, Mm. who takes care of the money, the trustee. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you set provisions on how the money is to be used for certain provisions come into play? Yeah. Before we get into the details, I would like to lay out some scenarios first. Okay. So we can have an idea of how this goes about. Mm. Because let's say I don't do any wills, Mm. if I don't say who my home goes to, does it go to my spouse or does it go to my children? Or if I don't make a nomination on my CPF and how about the money in the bank, where do all those go by default? Okay, so let's take the context of basically we are Singaporeans and the context of what happens if no planning has been done. We are non-Muslims. So what is under our own name basically falls under the Intestate Succession Act. Mm -hmm. So that's one fundamental. For example, if a bank account under my sole name, Mm. a property under my sole name falls under that. CPF, if no nomination has been done, will also be distributed via the Intestate Succession Act. Okay. 
then we have to look at the other aspect, joint ownership. Now, joint ownership basically can be the forms of tenancy in common mm -hmm. or joint tenancy. Tenancy in common means I own a certain percentage of shares. Let's say I own 50%, that 50% I can actually will away. It's one common way of owning our house in some countries. Mm -hmm. But in Singapore, the most common way, I would say probably something like 70% of us own it under joint tenancy. Mm-hmm. For a joint tenancy, they follow what they call a right of survivorship. Mm -hmm. So let's say me and my wife, if I pass on, my wife will outright own our matrimonial home. Mm. So in this case, they bypass the probate process. It's very clean cut. But what that also means is that while we are both alive, if I put it in my will, that I want to give my house to, say, a particular person mm -hmm. in a certain number of shares, that may not work. I see. Hi, I'm Adrian Tan. And I'm Crispina Robert. We are the host of a new podcast called Work It. We're here to get into the essential things that no one tells you about working and company culture from office politics to dealing with burnout. If you've ever wanted to eavesdrop on an interesting conversation by the water cooler, this podcast is for you. Look out for our episodes wherever you get your podcast. What is the ideal time then to start planning for our legacy? Is it better to wait until you're married? Is it better to wait until you have the exact number of kids that you have? If you're planning for three, for example, wait until you have all three, then you do a will. Or do you wait until maybe later in life when you start getting sick? Oh, that is a very challenging question to answer, really. But in my experience and my opinion once you have become an adult mm -hmm. once you start to own something and once you have people you really care about mm -hmm. and you want to benefit them in specific ways you will really want to start doing that you can start as early as a young adult who has come out to work and then has started to make some income you start to have some savings and has someone they truly care about that is actually a good place to start planning. Mm. But I will say that as we progress in life, especially in circumstances whereby we have accumulated more resources and then we also have young children or vulnerable beneficiaries like an elderly parent who depend on us. Mm -hmm. And vulnerable can mean that financially they're depending on us or it could mean that they are just simply not very good at managing money. Yeah, Those are situations that all the more you need to do planning. So one situation I actually had experienced was I talked to this elderly gentleman. His concern was that in the event of his passing, he wanted his wife to outright own basically everything that include properties. Mm -hmm. But his concern was that it's the people around his wife. Oh. When you come into contact with a lot of money and resources, sometimes it changes people around you. Not that I have a lot of money. I'm just talking about people who are in that position and they share that with me. So those are circumstances. Sometimes when you plan, mm. you are actually trying to protect that person that you love. I see. So it's not just about who gets money. Yeah, you're right. It's not just about whether your loved one is getting the money. Yeah. Because in those circumstances, sometimes you have to put the concept of trust in place. Yeah. So then it becomes something like the money and assets is a form of control gifting. So in that example that you gave for the man thinking about the people around his wife, mm. what protections did he add in his will that helped his wife? To be very honest, that person actually didn't become my client. 
because he didn't get to the point of getting planning done. But I did share in that situation some potential things that he can do. I remember it because I kind of felt for his situation mm. because being a husband, I understand where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. In circumstances like that, actually what some people might do is to put in place trust provisions or trust instructions. Mm. A simple way to look at it is that sometimes instead of giving a lump sum to someone, you might give it in the form of an allowance. I see. So sometimes the property can be held on trust mm. and then you can use the property to pay off certain fees and generate income for that loved one. So you can take care of people you love but without actually giving things outright to them. Right. So let's talk about how we start. Mm. Where can we start and do we need, say, an expert or a lawyer mm. to help us walk through this process? In some situations, we can actually use very simple wheels I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. But then in more complex situations, then we can work with working partners. So typically, there are also platforms out there where there are law firms, there are wheel writing companies uh, whereby we can work with. So it starts with some form of consultation. From that discussion, you will have to then narrow down to what is your unique circumstances, your family dynamics, your objectives, who are the people you're trying to benefit, protect, Mm -hmm. in what specific ways. So to me, that is the key essentials of locking down all these essential points and objectives. Mm -hmm. Because only then, you can then look at the different tools that are in place. Like for me, a will is a tool, a trust is a tool. Mm -hmm. There are different kinds of trusts around. There's the LPA. Mm -hmm. So then you start to put things together. What are the provisions, instructions Mm -hmm. to have a more complete plan or estate plan for this particular person. And where should we keep those wills, like physically keep them? And who should we tell? It's kind of weird, like just in case I die, can you go to my room and open the cabinet, you know? Yeah, that is actually a very good question. Some people keep it at home. So then they move their house and they can't find it. So that is not a good idea. (laughs) There's also the issue that you keep in a safe deposit box. Mm -hmm. Then can some people open it? (laughs) If you want to keep it at home, ensure that someone knows it. Mm. Family member knows it. The executor knows it. Mm. Because the executor is the one who has to do the execution. For myself, I actually keep it in some form of custody services. I pay a bit more money. Mm -hmm. I keep that for a lifetime. The reason for that is that I don't have to worry about moving house. Mm -hmm. It's not just about money, though, when we think about planning for our legacy, because there's also the issue of who takes care of your kids, just in case the horrible, unimaginable event of both parents dying. You can imagine how uncomfortable that is for the family who takes care of the children. These are really not easy decisions to be made. Yes, And what you have highlighted, I feel, is actually a very good point. This part became more real for me Mm -hmm. when my child came about. My parents-in-law are fundamentally the people who are taking care of my daughter when I go to work. Mm -hmm. I can see the connection between my child, even at three months old, with my Mm parents-in-law. Because when parents are no longer around, we need to know who are primarily the best caregivers for our child. Yeah. But sometimes, they may not be there forever because of their age. Yeah, that's true. And then you also have to think about who is next in line. So in this case, the best people I can think about will be my brother and my 
sister-in-law because I know they care about my child and they will help make good decisions for my child. What you say is right on the nail. It's not just about money. It's not just about having enough money for your kid who is a trustee. But when we grow up, we also need to know who are the best people around who really cares for our child. We really want to take care of our child, take care of their emotional needs and help them to be good functioning adults when they grow up. Yeah. It's one thing if you pass away. It's a whole other thing if, let's say, you're sick, you're still alive, but you're not able to make decisions relating to your finances or even to your medical care. What options are there to protect us from this situation? One of the common things people will look into is the lasting power of attorney. So for short, we call it the LPA. I feel that the government has been trying to get people to have it done mm -hmm. for the past quite a number of years. I would say easily for the past five, six years. The fee to get it certified by an accredited clinic is actually not that high. So I feel that the cost is not something that will deter us from doing it. Mm. The LPA essentially deal with issues when we're still around, but as you mentioned, due to certain illness, accidents, and we lack the capacity to make sound decisions. When such things happen, we need people to make decisions for us. People also need to have access to our funds to take care of us. Right. LPA will basically have two forms of donors, so you can look at them like uh, representatives of us but in the aspects of our personal welfare like what we eat who we have contact with where we stay and the property affairs is only basically relating to our money affairs if you don't do an lpa what's the default people will have difficulty reaching into our bank account mm -hmm. to use that money to take care of us so sometimes it could be a situation where they may have to go to court oh. to get a court order or to get themselves appointed as a deputy who has certain scope of power to help make certain decisions and to take care of me. We don't even want to go there if possible yeah. because that would be the time, mm -hmm. that would be the conflict amongst family members, mm -hmm. the unnecessary conflict. The cost involved is also higher. Oh, I see. So it could be the thousands of dollars and above. Whereas the LPA, you can have your own donors or representatives, you can appoint them. So there are people you know you want to make decisions for you. Okay. And at the same time, it doesn't cost a lot yeah. to do an LPA. And LPAs, can you do it on your own or do you have to consult with someone as well? If you go to the Office of Public Guardian, you can see a list of accredited doctors or clinics. There will be donors involved, as I mentioned earlier. There will be witnesses involved. Most people go to an accredited clinic or doctor. The doctor will actually go through the whole process with you mm -hmm. to ensure that you didn't do it due to some undue distress and you, I see you, or you're forced to do it or something yeah, like that oh yeah. I see and you know what it's about I see what should we prioritize then wills or LPAs I'll say that you need both of them <laughs> okay. you need both of them it's like saying that your wife or your kid is more important right they are both important <laughs> do you have any advice for those of us who have elderly parents without a will or LPA if your parents have not done it do it as soon as possible mm-hmm a lot of these things, if they are not done, if you only look into it when it happens, there will be a lot of time consumed. There'll be a lot of unnecessary conflict because everyone has an opinion on what is best for that person. Mm, that's true. And I think the issue about wills is that if you have not done it, the distribution may not be what 
is intended by the parents. The ISA distributes in a way is that the logic is who is closest to us by blood and relation. Mm-hmm. So typically there are the parents, the spouse, the children. But this is not necessarily true for every family. Family circumstances can change. And then if this person were to pass on, and then that family member who is a beneficiary comes back to have a claim. And then the other family members feel that that is not what that parent would have wanted. I see. So this kind of situations, there will be a lot of unhappiness. Mm -hmm. There'll be a lot of distress which are unnecessary. If you feel that there are instructions that you want to put in place for your will, for LPA, you really need to do it, especially when we are still mentally sound. Mm-hmm. And have you encountered instances when there was a smooth transition in the event of an unexpected death in the family? Yes, things actually transited smoothly because of proper planning. And typically that involves getting a will done, a CPF nomination done at the very least. Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts about how important it is to plan for our death as long as we have someone that we care of, that is something we have to think about and plan for. And thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Thanks to my guest, John Yo. If you enjoyed our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review. You can also email us at cnapodcasts at mediacorp.com.sg. The team behind this episode is Joanne Chan, Jacqueline Chan, Daniel Lee, and Crispina Robert. Till next time, this is Sarah Alcaldi.